You're listening to Fusion's Love Your Uni podcast with Miriam Swaffield and me, Luke Smith. You can find more of these podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud, or go to our website, fusionmovement.org. Hello and welcome to the third podcast in this Love Your Uni podcast series. My name's Luke Smith and opposite me is sitting Miriam Swaffield. Hi, Hi. Miriam. How are you doing? Good morning. This is the third part of the trilogy, except there's more. Oh, yes, it's not really a trilogy. (laughs) It's just the third one, isn't it? But if we stop now, it would be. Oh, yeah. Let's not stop. Anyway, today is a bit different, and I hope you'll notice if you're listening to this, you're noticing an excellent sound quality to this podcast. It's a step up from our previous efforts. It's a gear shift, I think we'd say. It is, isn't it? We've gone from one to about eight, I think, on a scale of... Nice. I don't really know how far we could go. My old car only had, like, four gears, so... (laughs) That's remarkable. Yeah, well, you got rid of the old car, didn't you? Morag Quicksilver has been scrapped. 50 quid I got for her. There was or a tank of metal. petrol. Tank of petrol in her. She was worth about... <laughs> I was gutted. There was a spare tire and a tank of petrol, and you they should, gave me 50 pounds. You should have siphoned that Morag. I didn't know. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know how to siphon, so in the end I just said Happy Christmas and handed over the keys. I would actually like to see you trying to siphon petrol out of a Do car. you use a straw? Well, I think a straw is probably not, not satisfactory long enough, but... Probably a hosepipe would be a better Hosepipe, but right. But to get it flowing. You kind of use it in a straw mechanism. Yeah, got you. you have to sort of suck on it and then it out it comes. But you've got to wait until the petrol hits your lips. Dangerous. So that's a little Dangerous. bit gross. Unless you get the timing just right and then out it comes. Not, I'm saying, not that I'm advocating siphoning people's petrol off on streets as you walk down it. It's that's been a strange a start. It's been a strange start, this one. Yeah, so the, we didn't plan this start. Quick out the gates, that. Um, however, not only is it better quality, we're not the only people in the room. Today we are joined by two Goliaths of recording. (laughs) So we have got Tom from the Belfry and we've got Rosie, the communications manager of uh, Fusion. And these guys are listening in and so they may giggle. They may make it a little bit like listening to Steve Wright's Radio 2. They might laugh, depends on whether it's funny or not. They have no obligation to laugh. But they might clap. Can you clap? Just so that proves that And they exist. They exist. (laughs) So, and Rosie does have a little bit of a cackle. So oh, she's an Essex she, cackler. She might let, let a cackle go at some point, who knows. Um, <laughs> now, uh, this podcast is for anyone really to listen to. We want to uh, be talking about students, we want to talk about churches, because that's some of the things we're really passionate about as Fusion. But just to kind of start us off, my job is uh, particularly with church leaders, and I travel around the country chatting to church leaders, trying to persuade them that students are actually brilliant and trying to persuade them that working with students is a really good idea. And often this is met very positively and they, they go, I agree, either we are already doing it or you're right, we should start working with students. Sometimes it's fair to say that they don't quite see the importance of working with students. That's not always. Uh-huh. But just for the benefit of any church leaders listening, I thought yeah. I've got three reasons why you should not work with students and, and you see whether you can have a comeback to them. All right? Sure, okay, nice game. Number one, students have got no money, so they don't contribute anything to the church, they just take, take, take. Well, I'm sorry that that's been your experience, mythological <laughs> church leader. Yeah, I like being a mythological church leader. Yeah, and a real one. But anyway, um, mm. disagree is what I'd say. I know that some students uh, actually do have a very, very tight budget. Um, I don't think we should assume that everybody is from a wealthy background or that their parents are bankrolling them, because that isn't actually true. In fact, um, a lot of students have to have a part-time job in order to make ends meet. But 
Um, I would love church leaders to think about students as being an opportunity to culture set and challenge the rest of the church by taking these young adults and uh, teaching them about generosity when they're on an actual loan. Because isn't money all on loan from God anyway? So if you can challenge students in their discipleship of money, not only do you get a wonderful effect for the rest of their lives, but um, what an opportunity when they literally understand that they can only be doing something by the grace of somebody else lending them money to... Uh, look after I suppose for example in our local church we just pitched it to the students and said guys why not be culture setters you know it'd be normal you know if you want to be a normal student don't give to the church don't set up a standing order because this generation coming through we don't commit to standing orders but if you want to be extraordinary like if you want to culture set if you want to lead in your generation I dare you to actually commit to something set up a standing order like believe in the local church with your wallet not just with your mouth and uh, we found 30 students started giving on that day when they were challenged at church on the Sunday, that we had another 30. We'd already had some standing orders in. Another 30 students from our, our community started giving on the spot. And that made us wake up and pay attention. No, students can give, but how are you doing in discipling them about generosity? That is amazing. So the challenge to church leaders from you then is actually they have got more money than you think. Yeah, and, and just what, uh, do some discipleship around it. Yeah. It's all about discipleship, not about they won't give. And maybe there's that challenge thing as well. That really works, doesn't it? Talking 100%. About the, the challenge of you could be extraordinary. Mm-hmm. Why not invest? And, and actually, I think treating them as adults. I think, I think when we... Sometimes I see students treated kind of like kids, like big kids. Yeah. Well, we haven't got any money, have you? Don't worry, we'll do your washing for you and give you like little cakes and whatever. No, we're not an overflow of youth work. Yeah, okay. So treat them like grown-ups, Definitely. get them to invest like grown-ups. So, uh, number two, yeah. reason why you shouldn't work with students. Mm-hmm. They're always on holiday. They're oh, hardly ever here. Lazy. They're always on massive holidays, <laughs> layabouts. Don't bother working with students. The part-time people. Part-time <laughs> people, goodness. Yeah. An aggressive by, church By, by the way, I don't really think this. I'm just being provocative. I just to be absolutely clear. I don't know anymore. And I'm very ne- good actor. Neither have I ever met anyone who's actually said that they <laughs> think a student is a part-time person. Just painting a picture. Anyway, go for <laughs> good, it. Good communication. Yeah. Um, it's true. Students are technically around for six months of the year in terms of their studying. Um, again, rather than seeing this as a, hur- uh, as a wall, let's see it as a hurdle. A challenge in order to race over... And increase your pace and flight. A wardle. <laughs> there we a go, there's Rosie's hurdle. little cackle. A wardle. <laughs> I thought an awardle was the name for the bit underneath your chin, like your double chin. Is it? An awardle? I thought that's what you get in the Golden Globes. <laughs> Does anyone know what that's called? The like, soft bit under your chin? It can sometimes be a bit like grabby. Uh, what is that? Gullet. Gullet? Sure. Well, that's maybe more your neck, isn't maybe it? Maybe a wardle. The soft bit under your chin. Can you Google it? Thanks. Um, this is why it's really good having people in the room when we do it, because we can we've got a find answers team. to stuff. <laughs> anyway. The name to the soft undergullet. <laughs> okay, oh, so you, you were doing so well. You were doing great, and you were talking oh, about... And then I said hurdle. Basically, um, it, actually, stu- students will stay around in your community if... Uh, if you've given them a reason to stay. So it's true. If you treat them like, oh, we barely see them, then they go again. Then, uh, then they probably will. But if you were to, exam- for example, challenge them, uh, actually, we're going to serve our city in the half-term holidays, at the Easter holidays, where we're doing this as a community. If you begin to get a vision uh, for the city and students, not, not just campus dwellers, but actually they're part of a locality and they are part of a local city now they've moved, uh, students actually stay longer because they begin to feel at home with you rather than it's just a place of study. So that's pretty important for calling in the long term as well, to be honest. 
But also, um, there is something uh, brilliant about having these eight to ten week terms of training and investment. And then actually, we all do get a bit of a break. There's a nice rhythm about that. Like, go full on, but then do rest. Nice. It's nice. It's, it's all right, actually. It works. I'm persuaded. Two out of two. You're, you've, got, you've got a good success rate. Um, number three. Um, I'm sorry. We've just had some... Oh. A, a double chin. A bakula. A fatty puffy. <laughs> un, a fatty puffy under the chin. A bakula. I'm well, sorry. I, I don't mean to bring this up, but you have a bit of a bakula. You have a, a, a fatty puffy under chin. I think my friend's house is called Bakula. <laughs> they thought that it was some sort of religious scriptural term. Ah, yes, Bakula House. Do you not know what it means? I'll oh, look it up. It's amazing. It's the Greek word for a fatty undergin. <laughs> anyway. We, we learn something new every other day, don't we, Luke? Yeah, that's true. Every other day. That's right, Miriam. Now that we're a bit more grown up every other day. Um, so, number three. You ready? I'm going to hit. You ready okay. for it? Yep. They leave after three years. They never stick around anyway. This is particularly true for people who are in university towns that don't have loads of jobs to go around. Like maybe, say, Aberystwyth. People from there tell me that a lot. So it's quite a big uni. There's, I think it's about 14,000 in the uni. There's probably only 14,000 residents of Aberystwyth. So it's half the town. And lot, basically, you can't all stay, can you? So lots of people There's leave. There's only so many outdoors instructors that you need. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So... Uh, Lots of places are like this, aren't they? And we're in York and we're fortunate in that there are more jobs in York than there are in some places for graduates when they finish. But lots of people move anyway because they choose to move to the Big Smoke or somewhere else. So New York? Uh, well, I meant London, really. I just meant where what the streets accent, are paved with gold. Anyway, uh, so the point is they leave after three years. So yeah. it was a bit of a waste of investment. We're better off investing in young people who are going to stick around, who've grown up here, or young adults who've moved here, who are going to have families and stay and whatever. So why should we bother? Imagine if Jesus had said that. <laughs> Just imagine if Jesus had said... She's gone to Jesus straight away. That's a strong argument. But, you know, he was... Um, we think that Jesus was ministering for about three years mm. because he went to three different Passover festivals, right? So that's how they work out. It's roughly three years that Jesus was actually overtly doing discipleship and making disciples with uh, the 12 particularly, but lots of others. Um, imagine if Jesus had thought three years wasn't long enough to invest in a small group of young adults. Imagine if he thought, there's no point coming because I'm going to have to go again. Um, imagine if the church wasn't born. Yeah, okay. I'm imagining that. Right. Well, then all I'm saying is, if you've got three years, you've basically got the same amount of time Jesus had with the disciples. Uh, yeah. What an unbelievable opportunity to raise leaders and send them out again. Okay. Not an argument, in my opinion. And I suppose you're going to receive students from other churches who, where they've invested in them for three years. Oh, it's and when like they... kingdom to the max, yeah. Build them up, send them out. Nice. Great vision. Um, so, um, now, you've got a bit of a story for us. Oh, yeah. I believe. You said you've got a little story, haven't you? Escape you want... and Pray? Oh, yeah, I think so. A little Escape and oh, Pray no, well, story. Oh, this is fun. So we mentioned Escape and Pray uh, last episode, but it's this brilliant thing we do uh, in Fusion. I say brilliant. Honestly, it's very fun, but slightly outrageous, where we basically dare students to go and um, bless Europe with nothing in your hand, not a plan, but to follow the Holy Spirit. So you show up at an airport, you get given tickets to a mystery destination an hour and a half before you have to fly, and off you go to a city in Europe... Uh, with not a lot of money, uh, no contacts really, and see what God does, see how you might bless people, like when Jesus sends out the 72 in Luke 10, same kind of idea. 
Um, I, I just had a funny... It just reminded me to talk about Escape and Pray again because I was uh, training some 24-7 prayer like vision course interns on Monday yeah. and I'm going around the room finding out names and why you're here. And the girl opposite me, you know, halfway around the room, just says... I'm from Czech Republic, Bruno. And I went, oh my word, I know Bruno. That was where I got sent on Escape and Pray because it's Czech Republic, it's like the most atheist country in Europe and Fusion tried to set me up and it was really mean, but it was fine. And then she went, I know, I met you in a prayer room one night. And I was no. like, unbelievable. Wow. Her name is Sharka, not joking. And I met her in a prayer room in Bruno, in the Czech Republic for like an in the middle, like we went of an evening just for a couple of hours and she, she gave us slippers when we walked in the door and we went into the prayer yeah, room. She gave you slippers? Yeah, and then six months later, there she's in Guildford. And, Would you believe? And recognised you? Big time. And I was so out of context, I was like, could have seen that face anywhere. Yeah, wow. Turns out Czech Republic. So yeah, I love Escape and Pray. The yeah, God story just keeps on giving. incredible God stories. I, I last week met up with Migle, who I met on Escape and Pray in Lithuania. Great. Uh, and then she came over and did a month's placement uh, in Stockport in, in Romilly with the guy who I took on Escape and Pray. So the whole thing, the stories do seem to be unfolding, don't they? Amazing. Interesting. So if you want to do Escape and Pray at some point, have a look at the website, Fusion website, and you'll find the details on there, no problem. Um, right. We want to tee you up for a bit of a Bible bit. Oh, right. Right. Tell us a bit about something that you read in the Bible recently that you thought was really good. And you've got to, you, you've got to explain it in normal phrases. I hear what you're saying. Okay? Yeah, can't, yeah. You can't, get, you can't use a Bible voice. You can't get all churchy. You know, the first time Luke ever asked me to read the Bible in church when I pitched up at our church in York, he came up to me and went, can you read the passage for me next week? Because I just think you're probably not going to do it in a Bible voice. That, that, was, how, that yeah. was how you raised me no, to leadership. No Bible voice, please. Okay. Um... Colossians 4, this is great, says this, right? Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And pray for us too, that God might open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. So Colossians, written by Paul, uh, Actually, uh, the book's kind of, it's short, you can read it all in one sitting, it's great. Uh, he makes a particular point in Colossians around the idea that you don't live but Christ lives in you. But this passage you know, right, it's familiar because people talk about making the most of every opportunity and they th think about what might be a salty conversation, like how might you bring good news into the conversation you're having with people. And just a few things I noticed from this classic passage, I suppose, because I'd never really th thought about talking on it before was, um, first of all, before you do anything, it starts with prayer. I love the idea that being with God comes before doing things for God. You can spend a lot of time talking about Jesus and not talk to Jesus. You can spend a lot of time thinking we must share the good news without realising yourself, this is actually really good news. And the way that I remember that God is actually worth sharing is by hanging out with him, spending time with him, devoting myself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. So notice, what is God already doing? God, what are you like? God, what do you think of me? God, what do you think of the world? What do you think of that person? How are we doing today, Jesus? So at the start of this famous passage, I say, before you do anything in terms of sharing your faith, be with God. I also love that it talks about the God opening doors for the message. We don't shove doors open. We are not dodgy car salesmen. We do not create opportunities in our own strength or clever ideas. We pray, we watch, God opens doors and we get a chance to walk through them. That's making the most of every opportunity. Um, 
is simply walking through doors that God has opened. So pressure off, game on. God opens doors, but do you want to walk through? I love that wisdom is described as um, making the most of every opportunity and welcoming outsiders. To be wise is to look for people that aren't already in the faith community and to share good news with them. Good news with them. To be wise is to make the most of the opportunities God's given you. And um, finally, the idea of salty conversations, this idea of grace and truth being part of how you are a friend, how you speak, how you live. Um, that's just a great challenge because we aren't just Christians that go, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. Everything will be better with Jesus. Nothing will ever go wrong and kind of almost give them such a cuddle into the kingdom that when something is hard because the cost of discipleship is real, there is a potential that people go, that's not what I signed up for. God's not good. God's not real. Bye bye. Whereas if you just go all, um, this is the consequence of you not following God. You don't want anyone responding out of fear rather than to a loving father that's already turned and started running to them, right? So grace and truth. How are you both being a real good news? Uh, God is alive and loves you. But how are you also telling them the truth? Actually, you haven't truly lived until you've met him. So that's what I got from Colossians 4, but I right. loved it the other day when I read it. That's really good. And um, <clears throat> I, uh, I love that phrase, pressure off, game on. Come on. I like that phrase. Put that on a tweet and smoke it. Exactly. Don't smoke anything. <laughs> anyway, don't advocate smoking, <laughs> let alone tweets. You can't smoke tweets. I'm so sorry. People <clears throat> get the wrong idea. Hashtag love your uni podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Um, it's, an, it's an annoying pod, uh, hashtag, that, isn't it? Oh, hashtag love you in your podcast. It's just really long. Um, Rosie, what should we change it to? Nothing. Keep it the same. Okay. Well, I've annoyed social, her now. Social meds, as oh. she calls it. Manager. Social meds. That's Let, what she let's calls not it. Let's shorten media. Yeah. Social meds. She said don't was earlier on for worry. Yeah. I thought the word worry was okay as it was. Yeah, not that long. But that, the word was there was used <laughs> in its appropriate context. Got ourselves context, in tangles. Right? Got ourselves in tangles. <laughs> anyway. Um, so uh, now we were going to talk about when I went to London. Because, uh, and actually, whilst you were talking uh, just then mm. about being alert to God's presence, it sort of reminded me about it because oh, go on. when when I try every now and again, I try and be alert to God's presence. <laughs> Mainly, I'm distracted by what's happening on my phone. It's a good honesty from Luke. Listening and you know by whatever. I'm looking out the window on the track. I find it difficult to remember to just remain alert to God's presence. However, occasionally it happens. And it did happen on uh, a couple of weeks ago. So I, I got to King's Cross, got off the train, wandered down the platform, tried to beat the crowds. Of course. Why is it that when you're walking in a group of people, I always try and win? But we're not in a race, we're not going anywhere. Your life is a competition. Yeah. Anyway, so... I don't know if I won or not, but what happened is I went through that ticket barrier and then un underneath that big banner that has where all the different trains are going to. Mm -hmm. uh, and um, I just stopped for a moment and thought, oh, actually, I've got about 20 minutes for the next train I'm getting from St. Pancras. So I've got a little bit of time to kill. Uh, I could just get distracted or I could just say to God, all right, I'm totally available. So I chose to do that. So I just went, right, God, nice. I'm totally available to you. I'm alert. I'm looking. What do you see? What do you what do you hear? What are you what are you doing at the moment? Like Jesus says, I see what the Father doing, and I just do that basically. I join in with what he's Jesus says he joins in with what he sees the Father doing. So I was like, All right then, Father God, what are you doing? So I must have, I thought, well, I'll wander around and maybe I'll find somebody in desperate need or something like <laughs> this, and I'll be able to rescue some incredible situation. Love a crisis. Yeah, love a crisis. Anyway, that's not happened. I, I don't think I took ten steps. 
and I saw my old boss, Roderick. Brilliant. Right, now, London, 15 million people come in and out of London every day. So the likelihood of bumping into someone you know is quite slim. Um, anyway, and there he was. this is King's Cross, This right? King's Cross, yeah, come loads on. of people all over the place. Come on. There was Roderick. Roderick's a great guy. Haven't seen him for a long time. We'd actually tried to meet up over Christmas, but it didn't happen because of busyness of family. And there he was. It's like God went... Well, I do actually want you to meet up with this guy. So we had a we had a cheeky Nero together. Other coffee sellers are available, and <laughs> um, we um, we had a catch up, prayed for each other. It was oh, like oh. fifteen minute, fast, short, sharp, great little connection. Uh, and I just thought, That's amazing. what would happen if more often I was alert to what God is seeing and feeling and sensing? And if I just went, what do you see, God? More mm. often, show me what you're seeing. Maybe all sorts of stuff had happened, but it does mean I'd have to be less connected into my own busyness and my own importance and my own schedule and rushing from one place to another. So chuck it out there for you. So Why, good. I That's dare you. I dare you to spend a bit of time this week saying, what do you see, God? Uh, and maybe take a risk on it. Can you do an impression of your old boss? <laughs> he was quite an eccentric character. Um, he used to have some amazing phrases, some of which can't be repeated on air. Okay. Um, but uh, he, on on one occasion, he was a very uh, effusive character who used to pray very openly in public. Uh, effusive? And, yeah. What does like, that mean? Like over the top and bubbly and uh, positive. Honestly, and the vocab coming out of this man. It's unreal. Come on, <laughs> carry on. So he would... Um, he would pray and with thanks when we got some business deals. So we went to London and we got a 30 grand uh, advertising deal uh-huh. and we were on the train on the way back and I said, right, I'm going to have a little bit of uh, shut eye because I was pretty tired at the end of the, a long day. So he's no problem. I opened my eyes, a bit totally absolutely rammed train yep. and he's got his Bible in front of him and his hands literally aloft. In the, <laughs> his hands were in the air like... I imagine Abraham was at the table of Isaac. Oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> it was before he sacrificed his own son. Except he was, the East Coast mainline. No sacrifice happened on, on East Coast mainline. But he had his hands stretched to the heavens, his eyes closed, and he was just saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Out loud? Uh, yeah. Absolutely rammed train. Oh, loads of people. Loads of commuters. People taking off scarves and sort of spilling their coffees and whatever. Anyway, it was a ridiculous scene. A what great guy. Know? Couldn't have worked... For a nicer chap. Um, obviously now I do work for a really nice guy he's in right. form of Rich Wilson, you know, so I'm not going to go at him. Hi, Rich. But he's no Roderick, let's be fair. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, <laughs> so I'm going to give you a jargon phrase. Oh, yeah. A Christian jargon phrase, because, we, you know, when we do church, we want to be uh, uh, using no jargon, because there's no point. It makes it an, inclu- an exclusive club, doesn't it, that people who aren't Christians don't feel they're part of. So let's not just use them. Or let's explain what they mean. Good. And here's a word, blessing. What does blessing mean? Because we use it, don't we? We sneeze and we say bless you and whatever. So people kind of get what well, the word is. Well, you don't, because you're anti that. Oh, uh, am I? Yeah, you uh, actually make a thing out of it. I don't even remember having that somebody. opinion. Yeah. <laughs> it's, I don't think it's worthwhile, but you've got it. Is that because uh, of something to do with the Black Plague? I Why think... do we bless people? What does blessing mean? Right. Well, this to be honest, this is where this all gets a bit controversial, right? Because um, you've got the blessing of God, and uh, from the very start, like right from the very start of the Bible, God talks to Abraham and says, you are blessed to be a blessing. So uh, my a, a blessing is like an unmerited favour, which also sounds jargony. 
blessing is like, you haven't deserved it, you haven't earned it, there's nothing you can do about it, but I'm giving you a good gift that basically means you've got a green light over your life. Like, you, God is with you, and, um, uh, yeah, God, God is with you, his power is on you, and stuff is going to happen around you that you haven't earned or deserved, but it's because you are loved and he's chosen you. So that kind of idea of blessing, God's been doing that to humanity for a long, long time. But what is controversial about blessing is where some people might attribute blessing as to anything good according to them that happens to them. So, for example, they get given some money and they say that's God's blessing. They get given a house or a car, that's God's blessing. Mm. Um, I think the world might think that always blessing anything financial is good, anything property-based is good, anything that you can own is good. I wouldn't say that God necessarily defines it like that all the time. And the controversial bit is Jesus talks about blessing in the Sermon on the Mount. And um, whereas uh, the Gospel of Matthew says uh, that Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And you're like, oh, so those that are downcast, those that are sad, God wants to be close to them, bless them. The Gospel of Luke says, blessed are the poor, full stop. Luke makes a point of saying, actually, what the world would say, uh, bad news for you, you've got nothing, because it's all about property, what's in your bank account, what you own. God says, now I'm with you, my favour is on you, you've got good stuff coming to you because I love you anyway. Luke makes a point of saying it's not necessarily to do with finances. So I, I, I guess I notice that in Christian culture, sometimes we think blessing attributes to I get more stuff, and I'm like, mm, in the kingdom of God, you've got less you get more. You die, you live. You know what I mean? There's a few backwards things mm. going on. But Good. blessing, yeah, it's all about God, not about what you've done. Nice. That is a very helpful explanation. And it's worth debunking these phrases, isn't it? Because yeah. we want people to feel welcome in church. Um, in fact, we want students to try church. Unbelievable That's a little, link. That is a seamless segue into it. So, talking about try church campaign. Yeah, go on. What hashtag is, what is that? try church. Hashtag try church. Hashtag love uni podcast. Bit long. Hashtag, how do you feel? Anyway, so... Uh, Talk to us about that. Try Church campaign, and just generally the concept of trying church. We want to say to all students, no, no matter whether you're Christian, no matter whether you're not, it doesn't matter, we're not interested. We are interested. Oh, but what, what we're more interested in saying is, regardless of whether you have experienced church before or not, we would like to invite you to try church. Try your local church. So if you're a student anywhere... Try your local church. Now, the responsibility then is on the churches and the church leaders to welcome all students. You better be ready. Because there's often quite a lot of them. In, so if you're a church leader listening, how many students have you got in your town? If you don't know, find out. And think, how could we welcome them to our city? Because loads of them are going to arrive in our city. We've got about 20,000 students. And every autumn, they descend on our city. And because they're students, they happen to be people. Uh, and not part-time not, people, part pe full-time people, Come on. and we're welcoming them to our city. So the question is, how do we do it? Not just are th are any of them Christians already, and do they want to join our church? But how many are there, and could we make a massive welcoming effort? So, but if you're a student, would you like to try church? Why not? You're the experienced generation. You want to try everything. Why not try church in the mix? It, it could be the best thing that you ever do. You could find a community, uh, people that are different ages, not just student age. Uh, you could find a home away from home, home-cooked meal, a comfy sofa. You could also you could... find the meaning of life. Oh, yes, that's sorry. Yeah, that's. Uh... You could also know what it means to be truly, fully alive, loved for now and for always. Yeah, that, Try could, church. that could be the better stuff. But the home-cooked meal as well, you but see. But a casserole, yeah. not a problem. That's Fine. right. 
I'll have one. And a nice sofa. Because sometimes students oh, have skanky sofas, yeah. sofas, don't they? They do, don't they? If, if they have a sofa at all, yeah, it's probably like... a skanky one. <laughs> so, um, why not try church? Hashtag try church. Hashtag try church. Good. That's great, Luke. Are we going to talk about anything else today, Miriam, or shall we say goodbye to the masses? I think, you know, we've taken up quite a lot of ear time already for them. <laughs> yeah, that's true. We don't want to waste those ears. <laughs> <laughs> See you next, guy. That's See you next time. Bye. Bye.